In America, we think of the right to vote as precious. We have fought wars to defend it. If people don't vote, and in the United States, millions don't. 1968 was the last time 60% of Americans went to the polls to elect a president. If people don't vote, it's a problem, right? I mean, maybe there should be some punishment for not voting. What if you could get a ticket for that? Well, we can dream. Citizen, I've been following you for a few miles, and uh, are we a little apathetic tonight, huh? On election day, I stay home. Okay, sir, I need to see your ID and your registration, your voter registration. You got that for me? I don't vote. It's meaningless. You don't vote? Excuse me? I don't vote because I believe if you vote... You have no right to complain. Mr. Carlin, is it? People like to twist that around, I know. They say, they say, well, if you don't vote, you have no right to complain. But where's the logic in that? Uh-huh. Well, Mr. Carlin, are you aware that it is illegal not to vote in America in this century? If you vote and you elect dishonest, incompetent people and they get into office and screw everything up, well, you are responsible for what they have done. You caused the problem. You voted them in. You have no right to complain. Right, right. I... On the other hand, I'm in no way responsible for what these people have done and have every right to complain as loud as I want about the mess you created that I had nothing to do with. Why don't you tell it to a judge? And if you continue with this, I'm going to have to write you a ticket. I know that a little later on this year you're going to have another one of those really swell presidential elections that you like so much. You'll enjoy yourselves. It'll be a lot of fun. I'm sure as soon as the election is over, your country will improve immediately. All right, that's it. Mr. Carlin, I need you to put your hands on the vehicle. I need you to vote, sir. Book him for aggravated non-voting. Okay, okay, okay. But this vaguely entertaining little dream is being seriously considered in some quarters. A version of it, anyway. Making voting less voluntary and more mandatory is the vision of our next guest. Norman Ornstein is a columnist for Roll Call. He wrote the article, The U.S. Should Require All Citizens to Vote for the Atlantic's America the Fixable Series. Well, first let me say, John, that it's not making voting mandatory. It's making attendance at the polls mandatory. Now, you may think that's splitting hairs, but it's actually meaningful. Uh, If we use the model that's in Australia, uh, people don't have to vote. And in fact, about 2 or 3% of Australians uh, cast a ballot for none of the above. And you're not required to be there in some respects. You can write a letter saying, uh, gee, I was sick, I had to travel, the dog ate my vote card, and you don't have to pay what is a pretty modest fine, uh, which applies otherwise if you don't show up. So this is not something where uh, men and women in uniform come to your house and haul you off to the pokey Uh, If you don't vote, it's uh, uh, quite a bit less onerous for people, but it works. All right. But could we just linger on the onerous side for just a second? (laughs) Maybe maybe that would be the best way to do it. Maybe that would be the thing that culturally gets people to think, oh, wow, I better vote. At this point, I would be very happy if we could get a national discussion going about the civic responsibility of voting and what happens when we leave a vacuum uh, because uh, nearly a majority of Americans in presidential elections and, of course, the vast majority of Americans in primaries or other elections stay home. But, you know, let me turn to another element of this, John, which is with uh, a lot of people, more educated and involved people, the failure to vote can be a black mark. 
if you're railing against politicians or running for office and the idea that you want to uh, change the country because you're so concerned but you didn't even bother to vote, that's a problem. But for an average person out there in Topeka uh, who goes to the coffee shop and says, they're all criminals, they're all alike, why bother to vote? Uh, You're probably not going to get a lot of people saying, shame on you. And that's one of the problems, and it's frankly one of the difficulties that we have selling the idea of creating penalties for voting or even creating incentives for voting. Uh, We believe in the freedom not to vote, and it's a freedom that I can very well understand. It becomes a question now of how you balance that against the larger needs of the nation to get out of our dysfunction. All right, so let's begin with uh, if we could just get to shame on you for not voting, we'd probably increase participation significantly to have an impact on our beleaguered political system right now. And again, you wrote this for the Atlantic's America the Fixable series, so we're trying to fix things here. What about the organ donor uh, model here in the United States? Uh, now, it, it's, it's not something that you wear like, you know, Hester Prynne, the Scarlet Letter, Uh, determines whether you're an organ donor or not. But what if we went to a program where if you don't vote on sort of every kind of identifying feature of, say, your Internet life, it indicates you're a non-voter. But if you do vote and you click some sort of something or other at the polls, it basically changes your status, kind of like your Facebook status, and says you're a voter. So everyone would know if uh, you voted or didn't vote. Would that work? I like that idea a lot, John, and it's actually a part of the twist uh, on the other side that I focused on, which is if people don't like sanctions, don't like negative things, what about positive things? And that includes uh, the idea of a lottery. With the Mega Millions lottery, we had people who got their tents and sleeping bags and lined up outside the convenience store overnight so that they could get a ticket for a 1 in 176 million chance of becoming a multimillionaire. So what about a mega millions lottery where you can become a, a multimillionaire if you have a, a lottery ticket, which happens to be your voting stub? My guess is if we do that overnight, we increase our turnout by 25 or 30%. Now, I'm doing the math here. I mean, it's it's my understanding that the mega millions chance of winning is like 1 in – Many, 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 many millions. Like one in one hundred and seventy-six million. Now, if you're talking about voter classic voter participation, even with some of the increases you're talking about, your chances would be much, much better in the voting lottery. Exactly. You could at least double the chances of a winner compared to the mega millions. Eighty million or a hundred million versus one hundred seventy-six yeah, million. Exactly. But it's not just a matter of increasing turnout because we're going to feel better that more right. people turn out. Right. Uh, you know, high turnout is not an automatic sign of societal health. The former Soviet Union uh, proudly proclaimed turnout of 98 percent. That didn't mean it was a healthy democracy. The issue is what kinds of incentives do politicians have and the people around them? And if you're focusing on the two parties' ideological bases, you know, we've got people like Karl Rove and James Carville who made a lot of money and built their reputations on getting their parties' respective bases to turn out by scaring the bejesus out of them uh, and by finding ways to suppress the other side's base. And you end up with wedge issues, 
guns, gays, abortion as dominant ones because they turn on the bases. And in Australia, what you find is the politicians from all sides and all stripes will tell you, if you know that your base is going to be there and you know that their base is going to be there, your incentive is to focus on the voters in the middle who might be persuadable. And there you don't use vitriolic rhetoric uh, because if you scare them, you might turn them off. And there you don't turn to wedge issues, which aren't going to help you very much. You focus on the big things, the economy and jobs and education and climate. And uh, it's not a, a panacea, but it alters the context of the campaign and it alters the context of politicians when they serve in office. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm aiming for, you not know, just getting people to turn out because we like to have high turnouts. You know, that is such a brilliant insight. Uh, that really oh, shucks. You're absolutely no, but seriously, you, you don't have the wedge issues if people show up. I guess they didn't have a lot of wedge issues in the Soviet Union either. But let's let's get away from that for a moment. Yeah. Let's let's get down to uh, brass tacks here. Is this a constitutional amendment kind of thing? And the process for doing that would just be almost impossible in this day and age. No, it doesn't require a constitutional amendment. It can be done by law. And let let me add, this is not the only thing that I'd like to do. Um, you want to make voting easier uh, instead of throwing all kinds of obstacles in the way. And compared to most other countries, America makes voting harder. So there's another law I'd like to pass, which would move the election day from Tuesday to the weekend. If I had my druthers, we would have a 24-hour voting period from noon Saturday to noon Sunday in most uh, time zones. Uh, so you avoid any Sabbath problems. And then you could have early voting on the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday before the election for people who are going to be away on the weekends. You can smooth out the lines, which now are, of course, much greater during the peak periods before work and after work, which means that a lot of working people get shafted because you can't wait in line for two or three hours uh, or you'll get docked your pay or maybe even fired. So there's no reason to keep it on a workday. You may call him a columnist for Roll Call. We call him our new media fringe guy. Mr. Tsunami of Innovation himself, Norman Ornstein, wrote the article, The U.S. Should Require All Citizens to Vote for the Atlantic's America the Fixable Series. Thanks so much. Oh, my pleasure, John. Great to talk to you. There's a lot going on right now. Mounting economic inequality, threats to democracy, environmental disaster, the sour stench of chaos in the air. I'm Brooke Gladstone, host of WNYC's On the Media. Want to understand the reasons and the meanings of the narratives that led us here and maybe how to head them off at the pass? That's On the Media's specialty. Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>